I could ask you to turn to the 31st Psalm, the 31st Psalm, as we continue in the Psalms, you should find that at page 431 or 461 if you're using one of the black Bibles. I think that you will be helped if you follow along and find a Bible and use that as we go through it. Last week when we had about 50 of the teens gone, it reminded me of how much we appreciate their singing and their participation, including the many of you teens, young people that sit in the service week by week taking notes, listening to God's Word. And and oh, we pray that God would help you truly know this God that's revealed in this book. And this message is for you, teenagers, and for you, not so teenage in this room. This is for those that are Gage's age and Gordon's age, and everyone in between. Are you experiencing anguish? You know what anguish is? Deep, intense or we'd say severe mental or physical pain. Maybe it's the loneliness that is surrounding you as a teenager, that feeling of longing to be in a relationship with someone else, and it really hurts. Maybe it's self-loathing, we call it, or just this hatred to self, ashamed of your, of your body, of your actions, Afraid to be judged or mocked by others, and it's, it's an anguish. Maybe it's the pain that comes from being mocked or abused, hurt years ago, and now you fear or you have angry anger and struggle with trust in people and, and especially God. Maybe it's the pain that comes from unfulfilled Dreams, shattered dreams. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one or the abandonment of someone special in your life. Maybe it's the pain that will not go away. That physical pain, that chronic pain, and you're fearing that it's going to kill you. Maybe it's the sense of that feeling that you just have that I'm a loser. I'll never live up to what others want from me, or what I think I should do. What good am I in the world? Anguish. Can't adequately describe it, but you, if you've experienced it, you know the horror of it. And friends, the Psalms, including Psalm 31, are no strangers to this reality. The Psalms are the companion to sufferers. This psalm, Psalm 31, is called an individual lament, and it's by David. A lament, where the word in the Bible, lamentations, that long word, that long book, that short book of the Bible with a long name, lament is a type of prayer. It's a prayer that's in pain, leading to trust and praise to God. 42 out of the 150 of the psalms are laments. That should tell us something. You see, the pathway, the Scriptures teach us that the pathway from anguish 
to a calming and comforting assurance is lament. It is the highway from pain to praise. There's a a family in this church that was going through a very prolonged and difficult season, so, so painful emotionally. And one of the pastors and their wives went over to visit them during that season just to listen to them and to care for them and to talk with them in their anguish and share God's word and just pray with them. And one of the things that pastor said to them was, God's word says in these types of situations, even though you don't understand what God's going through, you need to lament. And what does it mean to lament but to cry out to God and maybe ask him questions, how long, O oh God? Or what are you doing, God? And yet I will trust you. And this couple, God used this time, and this couple would testify that God used this time, including and especially the invitation to lament. I want to invite you through God's word, Psalm 31, to lament when you are experiencing anguish. Because either you are experiencing anguish or you will be experiencing anguish because that's the world in which we live in. And I want to be really optimistic because we have a lot of things we will also praise and enjoy and delight and rejoice, but we will lament. And let's see what this means. David's lament in this psalm shows us the pathway from anguish to assurance through lament. 24 verses. Too long for us to spend a lot of detail on each verse. We're going to see different things. What we'll see is in, Psalm, in verses 1 through 8, David moves us on the pathway. We see anguish, but we don't see it in much detail in these verse, verse 8 verses. But it seems like he gets to assurance by the end of verse 8. And then we go into anguish in verse 9 again. And then we see assurance appearing again. It's almost like this, this cycle. And it could be that he's saying... This is what happened, and now I want to go in more detail as he moves into verse 9. Let's look at it. Would you look at I'm going to read these 24 verses of Psalm 31, and then just give some explaining. And I want to point out to you four aspects of lamenting to give you what I believe is God's gift to us in the midst of anguish. Verse 31, chapter 31, beginning in verse 1, the Psalm of David To the choir master, a psalm of David. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Now you're going to hear this tone. He needs deliverance. He's in anguish. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me. A strong fortress to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress, and for your namesake you lead and guide me. You take me out of the net that they have hidden for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. I hate those who pay regard to worthless idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love because you have seen my affliction. You have known the distress of my soul. And you have delivered me into the hand of the... You have delivered me... You have not delivered me out of the hand of the enemy. 
and have set my feet in broad places. See verses 1 through 8. He's in anguish, but he has confidence. Now let's see verse 9, his anguish. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted for grief. My soul and my body also, for my life is spent with sorrow. My years with sighing, my strength fails because of the iniquity of my iniquity, and my bones waste away. Because of all my adversaries, I have become a reproach, especially to my neighbors, and an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who have seen me in the street, they flee from me. I've been forgotten like one who's dead. I've become like a broken vessel, for I hear the whispering of many terror on every side as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. Make your face shine on your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. O Lord, let me not be put to shame, for I call upon you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them go silently to Sheol. Let the lying lips be mute, which speak insolently against the righteous in pride and contempt. Oh, how abundant is your goodness which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you, in the sight of the children of mankind. In the cover of your presence you hide them from the plots of men. You store them in your shelter from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, he, for He has wondrously shown His steadfast love to me when I was in a besieged city. I had said in my alarm, I am cut off from your sight. But you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried to you for help. Love the Lord, all you His saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. Be strong. Let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. Amen. Lament is a prayer in pain, you see that in the psalm? A prayer in pain leading to trust. I've often shared this with you in other psalms because we've been there before. I've been to a lot of psalms already because we're at Psalm 31 already. I've shared this before, but lament not always, but often follows a fourfold pattern. Turning to God complaining to God, pleading with God, trusting or thanking God. And I want, to, that I want to show you them in this psalm. This psalm, through David's prayer, it bids us, it calls us, it, it takes the believer, it takes you and says to you, do these things, imitate David, Trust in the God of David. And so I want to do that by telling you, giving you these four things of lament through forms of exhortation or command. Number one, turn to God. You can find that in many places. This whole psalm turns to God. But look at verse one right away at the beginning. He says, 
In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. He says, in you, you are my rock. You are my fortress. Friends, turning to God was the constant direction of David's heart and life when he was in affliction and anguish. And oh, I pray that will be true of of all of you young people and old people, members and non-new Christians and old Christians. You would turn to God always when you're in anguish. You would get on your knees literally or figuratively and you would call on Him who hears the afflicted soul who cries out. This is what David does in that horrible time of his life in 1 Samuel chapter 30 when David has his wives, that's another question, why does he have wives? But his wives and family are kidnapped and he might lose them forever. They might be raped and destroyed. He might never get them back. And he's with his mighty men, his merry men, and they lost their wives, and they're kind of mad at David. Like, you let us into this thing, and, and they're ready to maybe kill him, mutiny him. And it says here in 1 Samuel 36, he does, he turns to God. It says that David was greatly distressed. They spoke of stoning him because they were bitter at him in soul, each of his, for each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself. In the Lord his God. He turned to God. Oh, that you would turn to God. We we all turn to something when we're in anguish. We don't just like stay neutral and stagnant and just like in, just, we're just there in a haze. We turn to something. It might be TV, Netflix, games, friends. Social media, spouses, pornography, sex, alcohol, drugs, shopping, hobbies, other friends, good things and bad things, but we turn to them for forms of escape and refuge. Paul says, when you're anxious... Remember the Lord is near, and do not be anxious, but in everything, with thanksgiving, take your request to God, Philippians 4, 5 and through 7. Friends, brothers and sisters, where are you turning? Are you turning to something other than the source of all of your life? Are you turning to something other than the one who knows all And is in control of all. And the one who cares for you. Now, the psalm says, turn to God. But it also says, complain to God. Now, that might sound bad because the scriptures do say, don't be a complainer. Do things with... But there's a type of complaining that the scriptures allows. And it's a complaining not about God, but to God. And it's coming to Him, not with a lack of... With, with an anger, but oh God, please help me with this. I need to bring my complaints to you as somebody would come to a court and bring their complaints to a judge. And so we find it all, out, all throughout here, but beginning especially in verses 9 through 12 and 13, we find, look at verse 9, the heart of David says, I am 
in distress. Who is he talking to but God? The heart of David's cry comes in his groans to God over his anguish. This psalm, along with, I should say, 42 of these lament psalms, teach us about this type of crying out and complaining to God. They invite us often, not this psalm, but often they tell us things like, ask God how long. He, just cry out to him. Ask him where he is and what he's doing in this situation. In this psalm, David pours out his anguish to God. Friends, when you're in anguish, you need to get alone with God, turn to him. You need to pour out your anguish to God. You might want to journal it. You might want to write it. But you want to express it to God. God, I am hurting. Listen to what David does in verse 9. Be gracious to me, O God. I'm in distress. There's anguish. He, he then describes his exhaustion. My eye is wasted from grief. His exhaustion and grief. My soul and my body also for my life is spent with sorrow. My years with sighing. My strength fails. And then he says, because of my iniquity. We don't know if that's because he's experiencing a certain guilt right there or if it's just, I'm a sinner in general. My bones waste away. Verse 11, because all my adversaries, I have become a reproach, especially to my neighbors. He describes a loneliness. I'm an object of dread to my acquaintances. Anybody that looks at me, they flee from me. Verse 12, I've been forgotten like one who's dead. I am lonely. I'm in anguish. I become like a broken vessel. I hear the whispering of many terror on every side. It is though everybody is against me and I am overwhelmed. David's exhausted in anguish. He's lonely in anguish. He's fearful in anguish. He feels like he's going to lose his life in anguish. I wonder where you are. Do you need to lament this way? Do you need to get alone today, this week, right away, and just cry out to God and lament? Offer your complaints to God. You might need to say, oh God, I feel shame and pain. I'm scared. I feel like a loser. God, I just, I feel like I can't do this anymore. I'm lost. I feel lonely. I'm, I feel abandoned. I feel like people don't pay attention to me. I feel hurt and I feel discouraged. Why, God? Why is this going on? Oh, God, help me. But God, I bring these burdens to you. I have no more to give to you, God. I'm an empty, Lord. I have so much to do. How can I do it? I'm so overwhelmed that I don't know what to do next. Lament, turn to God, complain to Him. What do you need to lament of right now? For me, for me often, most recently, I need to lament. My lament is often about my own sin. And when I, tr- I find myself saying, God, when, when will I start to trust you like I ought to? You've given me so much and you've shown yourself so faithful and yet I stumble and fall and I get anxious and fearful. Why do I do that? Oh God, help me. When will you come and transform our church and our family in a greater way into the glory of Jesus Christ? 
this lament turns us to God and then it tells us to complain to God. And then number three, it says, plead with God. I mean, this is kind of assumed with the first point, turn to God, because you're going to turn to God, but you're going to complain to God and offer up your grief. And then third, you plead with God. Look at verse 16. Later on in verse 16, he says, rescue me from the hand of my enemies and my persecutors. And look at, make your, here's he's pleading with God. God, make your face shine on your servant. I need you to shine your face on me. I need you to rescue me. 16b, I need you to save me with your steadfast love. Oh, don't let me be put to shame. I call on you. Be gracious to me, verse 9. Oh, Lord, I'm in distress. Verse 2, incline your ear to me. Rescue me. Be a rock and a refuge for me. A strong fortress to save me. Do you see him pleading? The Psalms plead with God. God's, God's people learn and God puts us in positions to have to plead in anguish to the God our strength. I mean, that's what Paul writes to the church. And I have already referred to this passage. When you're in trouble, when you're in anxiety, remember the Lord is near. And so, with thanksgiving, take all your requests to Him. All of them. Take them to Him. Plead with Him. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. The psalmist in Psalm 55 says, cast your burden on the Lord and He will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous one to be moved. Cast your burden on Him. What is it for you? What is it for you sitting in this chair this morning or watching online that you need to plead with God for. We've saw, seen this many times. Quite often we plead to God for something and God doesn't give it to us because either He wants us to grow through the waiting or we're asking for something that's not best and He has something better and He is training us to receive the much better answer that He plans to give us. Is it come near, God, and meet me in my loneliness? Deliver me from my shame. Deliver me from my besetting sin that I just can't get over. Help me in this relationship. Help me to have a level head and lean me in paths of righteousness. Help me, I'm overwhelmed. Save me, God. Make your face shine on me. You see, lament turns to God. Lament complains to God, offers up our Troubles to God, and it pleads with God, and yet lament. Almost all of the lament psalms, there's a few exceptions, but almost all of them end with lament trusts in God. Look at verse 14. The second half of we see in verse 14. He says, but I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Oh, I want to say that with deeper conviction. I want to say that in response to Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart 
And do not lean on your own understanding, meaning all the things right now that swirl around you that you're fearing and afraid of, because your understanding only connects to that. Do not do that. Trust in the Lord. Verse 5 says, trust in the Lord, shows his trust in a different way. Look at verse 5 with me. Into your hand I commit my spirit, David says. Dear faith, church, we are sinners and we are sufferers on this earth meant to shine the light of the glory of God because he meets us in that suffering and sinning. But to do so rightly, we need to learn to lament. We need the pathway of joy from pain. We need to learn to trust in the Lord our God. We need to follow David's example and learn to pray into your hand. I commit my spirit. Think what David is saying here. He's saying, David, he's saying, God, it's your hand, your hand, your mighty hand that I need to uphold me. It is your mighty hand that holds my days. It is your hand that I commit my entire being I am yours and I just, I commit myself to you. You take care of me. If you don't take care of me, I'm dead. But I completely lean, not on my own understanding, I lean on you. What does that mean? Oh, all his body, all his soul, his spirit, his emotions, his heart, all that was in him. He says, it's in your hands. It reminds me so much of what Peter, in writing to a suffering church in 1 Peter chapter 4 Warns, reminds them that they're going to suffer in this life. But he says, let those who suffer according to God's will, who, those who are in anguish, let them entrust their souls unto a faithful creator and do good. Now, as we conclude this sermon, I just want to point you to three things about committing. It's a beautiful prayer. I want you to make this your prayer. As you think about your anguish, God, make it a prayer of devotion and dedication. God, I, into your hand, I commit my spirit today. Into your hand, you wake up in the morning and you feel so discouraged and overwhelmed. Into your hand, I commit myself to you. When you're facing a trial or a difficulty and the anguish, whatever you might have, into your hand, I commit my spirit Three things that I want to point from this psalm about that phrase or that maybe could bring just meaning to that. Three things. Number one, commit yourself to the hand. Whose hand that you commit your spirit to? Who is a sovereign protector and strength. When you commit yourself to his hand, you're committing to someone who is absolutely in control. He's a protector and he's a strength. We find that at the very opening words when he says, I take refuge in you, God. Verse two, verse three or verse two, be a rock of refuge for me. Be a fortress, a strong fortress to save me for you are my rock and my fortress. Friends, you don't have strength to deal with the trials that you have to face this week, but he does. You don't have the strength to deal with the things that you're, you would list in your lament to take care of, but he does. 
He is your protector. And God is bringing you sometimes through these deep waters of anguish to say, I want to teach you how good and powerful I am. And I want to show you my strength in these things of which you would never understand unless you were going through this soul and emotional pain. The one hymnist says it this way. I love this. A sovereign protector I have, unseen yet forever at hand, unchangeably faithful to save, almighty to rule and command. He smiles and my comforts abound. His grace as the dew shall descend. And walls of salvation surround the soul he delights to defend. And this sovereign protector delights to defend all those who come with empty hands, nothing to contribute, but saying, I put myself in your hands. So when you say, I commit myself into your hands, you are committing yourself into a sovereign protector and strength. Secondly, commit yourself to the one who has pledged himself to be your God. There is a phrase here so beautiful in verse 14. Would you look with me on there? When David says, but I trust in you, O Lord. And you'll know that it's all capitalized and you know that means it's Yahweh, which is the the personal God who cares for his people. But I want you to see the next phrase. I say, you are my God. You're my God. Now, when David says that, there, there's more to it than just saying, oh, he's, it's his personal God. And it's, it is true that God personally cares for David, and that should make us all rejoice if God is our God, that we would rejoice, he is my God, he cares for me personally. But David when he says that, is in some ways responding to a promise given to one of his forefathers, Abraham, because it was Abraham who had God say to him first, Abraham, I'm making a promise to you. I will be a God to you. And when he said, I will be a God to you, he says, in that, all the promises of my might and my care and my character will be for you forever if I am a God to you. And so when David says, you are my God, he is in some way evoking this joyful reality. I love what one commentator says about that phrase when God told that to Abraham. He says, I will be your God. What does it mean? It means that God is saying to Abraham, I'll be with you. I'll exist for you. I will exercise my godness for you. I'll be committed to you. There's no way that can be improved upon. There's no more glorious promise. Not in Romans, not in Hebrews, not in Revelation, not in the Gospel of John, not in the upper room, nowhere. These words of the Abrahamic covenant have never been excelled and never will be when he says, I will be your God. In fact, all of those other promises are banked on that. And friends, Isaiah 41, 10, one of my favorite passages. 
He says to you, if you, He is your God, do not be afraid or be dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. Oh, friends, let these truths ring. Make it your prayer as you go in anguish to God, saying, God, I commit my hands, myself into your hand. My spirit, my, I commit myself to you, my spirit to you. In so doing, you're saying, God, you're my God. You'll be my God. You're going to take care of me. And all that means, and I don't even know all that means, but it's glorious. I trust you. Lastly, almost every time I read Psalm 31, I just stop and just glory in verse 19. So will you look with me at verse 19? Verse 19. So my third point here about committing yourself into his hand. Commit yourself to the hand who is storing up goodness for you. Verse 19. Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked. You've worked this goodness for those who take refuge in you in the sight of the children of mankind. Now remember, David's writing this in a psalm where he's maybe still in anguish. And so he's in anguish and he might not feel all the goodness at that moment. But he believes God is God for him, his refuge and strength, and he is storing up goodness. Friends, this is the hope of the Christian. That God, who is so gracious to us, in his goodness, is storing up goodness for those, and an abundance of goodness for those who fear him. And what does that mean? To trust in him, to take refuge in him. He is absolutely faithful. I've said this quote before. I just love this. The hope of the Christian, friends, is this. As a Christian, you, will, you have no reason to be finally discouraged. You will outlast every trouble that you ever face. Can you think about that? You can be confident of that. Because he is storing up his abundant goodness to those not who are mighty, not to those that are gloriously righteous, not to those that do all these things, but to those who fear Him and take refuge in Him. He's faithful. So love the Lord. Love the Lord, you His saints. The Lord preserves the faithful. Friends, David's lament in this psalm shows us the pathway, the pathway we all want, a pathway that goes from anguish, pain and sorrow, to assurance in God's grace through lament. But Jesus Christ, say, I haven't used the word Jesus a lot in this, in this sermon. He lamented. Yeah, Jesus lamented. Remember the passage I read during the confession? Jesus lamented, and his lament provides us the grounds of assurance in God's love towards us forever. In Luke 23, that I read earlier, the sixth hour to the, third hour, to the ninth hour was dark. And then it says that Jesus called out with a loud voice saying, Father, 
into your hands I commit my spirit. What's he doing? He's quoting Psalm 31. He is lamenting to the Father. He lamented to the Father earlier on the cross when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Quoting from Psalm 22. But here he quotes from Psalm 31 on the cross and he laments to God and he says, God, in your hands I commit my spirit and he breathed his last. You see, friends, he lamented. He offered his complaints to God. He did this suffering for us. He bore our sins on his body so that we could say, you're my God. The only way you can ever say, you're my God, I trust in you. You're my strength and my refuge is because Jesus went to the cross, lamented, and breathed his last and had sin and the wrath of God poured upon him. God is a refuge and a strength to us on account of Jesus Christ being abandoned himself to, his, to absolute weakness and rejection on the cross. God is our God because the Lamb of God shed his blood to bring us peace and to bring us to God. God is storing up abundant goodness because we are adopted in love through the Son the one who went to the cross and committed himself to the Father in his absolute agony. He died. He rose again to unite us. So these laments can mean more than they ever have meant. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help us to look to the Son Jesus who lamented this prayer. He cried out into your hands so that we could all do that. I pray that every person here or watching would cry out and lament and commit ourselves into your hands. Oh God, if there are some here that have never been saved or rescued from their sins, that their lament would be a cry out and say, God, save me. Take away my sins because of what Jesus did on the cross. And for many of us who that has already happened, I pray that we would, we would grow to re Delight in your goodness as we embrace the gift of lament and the goodness of God, even when our hearts are hurting. In Jesus' name, amen.